The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships. But what is it that determines the strength or quality of our relationships? For over 20 years, I've been working in the trenches of relationship recovery and greatness. I empower people to take charge of their relationships and single-handedly bring about desired outcomes. This show cuts through the fluffy stuff and gets to the nitty-gritty of what makes a relationship work. I'm going to teach you practical tools and principles to transform the important relationships in your life and bring about greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Get ready to transform your life through the power of relationship skills. It's time for The Emil Show. All right, Lori. So you've got a question for me. So go ahead and just tell me a little bit about it and then ask me your question. Let's see if we can find an answer. Hey, so um, I mean, without going into like too many details, and maybe I can, but I just wouldn't want to insult anybody on like a financial, religious, political forum. I wouldn't want to insult anybody, but when entering a marriage and you have different religious perspectives. So I was raised Catholic. My soon to be husband of 10 years ago was raised LDS. So when we started dating, he was telling me that he would want to marry someone and take that person to the temple. I thought that that was really sweet and kind. I didn't understand the full effects of it. Years on down the line, I then ended up, you know, becoming a member and joining the church with him. But then I let my guard down and my religious beliefs down as far as what I felt like was ethically and morally the person that I wanted to be and show up to be as a mom, as a, you know, career woman, as a wife. And so I really started showing who I truly was, which was my fault to not be that vulnerable, authentic person when we first got married. And I think that that happens more so than we would like to admit. But once we started really having those issues, and this is just a religious issue, I mean, there's financial issues and all different kinds of stuff, thought process issues. But once we started having those specific issues, I, I was really having a hard time showing up authentically with who I was, which ultimately made our marriage not work out and we're divorced now. But now moving forward, mm -hmm. my thought process is I want to figure out how does one fully let their guard down, not in the beginning, but just overall, so that others can love me for who I am. So I think why I asked that question is because I always felt like I had to be a certain way. I had to be the wife that he thought should be the wife according to what his mom and dad said or what he believed instead of allowing me to be the wife that I am as a person. He wanted me to conform into something else. Regardless of religion, it was just him. That's right. what he wanted. So now I'm having a really hard time. I don't want to get remarried. I don't 
want to enter into any type of monogamous type of relationship because it makes me feel like I'm going to have to change myself for him and I don't want to change myself for him. So how do I authentically show up as myself when that's constantly being put down like I shouldn't be myself? Was I totally confusing? No, I love it because there seems to be this this underlying belief that if you were your true self, maybe, maybe you wouldn't be loved or that a successful relationship may require you to abandon who you are. Because it's, right. it's like in the very beginning with that, with the relationship that you, that you had with your, with your husband, you kind of went into it with this idea, what do I need to do so that he loves me. And then yes, what do I need absolutely. to do? To so I did that? all those things. Right. 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 And then <laughs> if I would do something, then it wouldn't be good enough or it would be good enough. But I would constantly have this thought process in my head of, well, I'm not meeting his standards and I better step up and meet his standards or step down and meet those standards, whatever right. that is. Right. Whatever that is. And so as long as you're trying to hit a target that seems to be moving, and here's the thing, both of you are moving. And so you're evolving, you're growing in your place, in your way, and he's doing the same thing. No one stays static as much as we like to think that we are. And so let me kind of, um, kind of rewind time a little bit. So I have this, this rule, this relationship rule. And the relationship rule, it's called rule number one, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me. I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me. Because if you're with somebody who doesn't want to be with you, that's hell. That sucks. You're always yeah. walking on eggshells. You second guess everything that you think, say, and do. You can't be yourself because the, the rule, if it's not, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me, it's I need to get that person to want to be with me. And then even if you win, he wants to be with you. You have to keep up the act. Right. And then you're like, well, okay, now that this worked, when do I get to be me? And you don't get to be you. You don't get that luxury of being your authentic self anymore because you've created a belief in the other person to think that you're a certain way. And so if you start reading off script, so to speak, they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. What's wrong with you? You got to get back on your script that you've been, you know, telling me who you are for all this time. And so the first thing, the first rule is I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me instead of I don't want to be alone. What do I need to do to get someone to love me? Okay. Yeah. So just to kind of, because I could imagine if I was listening to this, my first thought would be well, why didn't that girl just be herself and never get married to that man? Well, (laughs) I was myself when we were dating and I did me and he fell in love with me. Then we got married and the rules changed. And because I entered a commitment of a marriage, I wasn't going to just wipe my hands and wash away and walk away. I then said, okay, I'm going to 
put my feet down and I'm going to dig in and I'm going to figure this out. And maybe I need to make some good changes that'll make me a better person. But that constant for, and I'm okay with change. I'm okay with looking in the mirror and accepting what I need to do better or different. I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay when I constantly feel like I'm walking on eggshells and in the same scenario, he was walking on eggshells too. So it was such an unhealthy relationship for the both of us because I think, and I could be wrong, but I think if reality stepped in when we were dating and that vulnerability stepped in when we were dating and I truly understood what he wanted and he truly understood what I wanted and the two people we are, maybe the expectations would be a little bit different. But now this is really making it hard for me to want to truly believe that I can be myself and find someone who is going to love me and accept me for myself now with all this baggage that I have too from this situation. We were talking about um, how you were actually being your authentic self at the very beginning. And then as things evolved, in order for you to maintain the commitment to the marriage, and he was making some changes or expectations that weren't quite clear up front, you kind of felt like you had to kind of abandon who you were in order to make the relationship work. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So in terms of hierarchy of making decision, like a decision-making tree, you can't make a relationship work if you're not being true to yourself. So as soon as you betray your true self, then you betray the relationship. And so if you yeah. say, well, I make a commitment to the relationship because I made it, you know, that's an important thing. I think we forget that our first commitment is to ourselves now, I love what you said before is that you have no problem growing and looking at yourself and turning and, and learning how to improve and stuff like that. That's all beautiful and wonderful, but that doesn't mean abandon who you are, right? So, so right. as long as you're becoming a better version of yourself, and when I think of what, when I say the self, there's capital S self, that's true to who you are. And then there's the lowercase self, which is like the part of you that is not in harmony with all the other parts. Like there's that part of me that wants to eat the uh, brownie when I'm on a diet. There's the part of me that wants to cheat on something or exaggerate something or lie about something because I don't want the reality to be so painful. So that lowercase s self is the part of me that's not consistent with my uppercase s self. So if you abandon yourself by being true to your lowercase s self, then you betray yourself. It's being true to who you truly are, what kind of commitments that you've made, sacrifices you make. But when we start to sacrifice our uppercase s self, then we betray ourself and our partner. So when you think about, well, okay, well, then it's super important for me to not make, and, I, and some people get all bent out of shape with this, is even people who get married in the temple, they're so committed to the covenant or that commitment that they make that they don't even like being with each other and they stay together anyway. 
as if somehow、mm-hmm. there will be this magical moment when they start to like each other again, and and that just does that's that's inconsistent with reality. Right. Making the commitment to your like what kind of marriage you want. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to become the dreamy, creamy person that's custom built in a way that makes me a better version of me, uppercase S self. But if it, I have to abandon who I am, then I've already abandoned the relationship. So if I'm not true to me, I'm not true to anyone. And、right. that's that's kind of that's like the second rule. The first rule is I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me, uppercase S self. Because there's been times in my life when I was dating that I was too worried that someone wouldn't like me for me, and so I was somebody else, and it worked. And then I was stuck. Uh oh. What do I do now that this person really likes the fake me? I can't keep that going on, and I don't want to keep it going on. I I just thought it might be helpful. Terrible strategy, and that's when I started、yep. thinking I want to be with someone who thinks I'm the bomb. So I need to be Emil, the real person, the authentic person that some people will be annoyed to death with, but the right person, the person that's going to be my partner, is going to think that that's pretty awesome. So I started yeah, using my authentic self. As a filter system to get rid of the people that I didn't want to be with, which meant、uh, a superficial rejection. They would reject who I was because it didn't match what they wanted. Well, if I follow rule number one, which is I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me, then since they don't really, you know, fall in love with me and think I'm the most amazing thing ever, thank you. Not oh, I'm brokenhearted. What do I need to do to fix it? And so it started to simplify my process of dating. I started to date strategically different. How authentic can I be to myself so that I can filter out the people that I really don't want to be with? So, if I think about when I was going, you know, young and going to school, I was poor. So why was I going to pretend to have money? I don't have money. I need a woman who thinks, "Hey, Emil's got potential," or "Emil likes to have fun and he doesn't have to spend a ton of money." The girl that's high maintenance is not a good fit for Emil, even though I thought,、right. oh, it'd be so cool to have that person like me. No, it wouldn't. You know what the expectations are over that person? Forget that. I'm not even interested. So,、yeah. being your true, authentic self becomes a process to weed out those who we wouldn't want to be with in the first place. And then when you talked about, well, how do I trust? How do I open up? Well. We do that strategically in layers. First, we're following rule number one: I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me. And then,、mm-hmm. how they respond、mm-hmm. to my authentic self tells me whether or not I it makes sense to invest by becoming more vulnerable or invested in the relationship. And so, if they kind of like sour or you know look away or don't invest themselves, instead of saying, "Oh, I, I must have messed up," no, 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 no. What I do is go, ah. Thank you very much. This makes it easier for me to know not to invest anymore. Because let's say I do something that's kind of annoying. All right, totally realistic. Yeah. Instead of them being a jerk and cold and distant, well, the kind of person I want to be with is going to go, "Hey, Emil, when you were sarcastic like that, you know, I think that could have really hurt that person's feelings. Maybe, maybe you need to be more careful about your sarcasm. I mean." It, 
it could be funny, but it could be hurtful. Oh man, that's awesome. Because when you're in a relationship, Mm -hmm. you need to have conversations instead of cold, distant, you know, telepathic wavelengths where I have to try to translate the frequency of the communication vibration. I I can't do that very good. So how they respond to me, even if I'm slightly annoying or whatever, gives me good data whether or not I want to invest or not invest. And so then that leads me to another rule. Feelings are fickle. Sometimes, no matter what culture you're in, we put a lot of value in the feelings that we have. And the feelings mean something. The feelings are like a confirmation of sorts that our decision is a good decision. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we follow the emotion, the feeling. However, I think anybody who's fallen in love and then fallen out of love and then falls back in love knows that the magical feelings you have for somebody, they're transient. They don't last forever. And so if you think that the feeling is an indication of what's going to happen for the rest of your life, you're freaking crazy. That's not going to be the reality. Now, feelings are important, but I'm not going to make a decision about investing in a relationship based on my feelings alone. There must be patterns of behavior. In other words, principles. Are the principles there? Principles are, how are decisions being made? What's the pattern of behavior that's you know, pretty predictable? I make the decision based on the patterns of behavior that I see in the other person because those patterns are based on the principles or values of the other person. And since I have principles and values that I'm expecting the relationship, I'm looking for someone who has the similar values and principles so that when things get off, there's a way to have a conversation to get back on track. But if the values and principles are different, no matter how much conversations you have, that's not going to line you guys up naturally. It's going to be the result of true deep introspection about what the ultimate outcome is, what you want. And people may Mm -hmm. have different flavors of the kinds of relationships that they want. Everybody's going to say, I want a great marriage. Okay, well, I'm going to say, well, what kind of great marriage? Like, what do you want in a great relationship? And I might hear from a guy, you know what? I want to be able to go and do the things that I want to do, knowing that there's support and love at home. I want to be able to you know, not have to have long conversations about how we feel and what we do. I want to know that we can trust that we got each other's back and we don't need to go deep diving into every emotion that we have. For him, that's a great relationship. Now, let's say that his partner's saying, well, I want a great relationship too. And my idea of a great relationship is that we become almost unified in the way we think and feel, that we We have the sense of harmony and anticipation that we know each other deeply and we care about each other's feelings so much so that we make our feelings a topic of conversation so that we know how to better support and meet each other's needs in a deep and meaningful way. You see how based on principles, based on the what you both want, that's a crash and burn. That's a woman who's always feeling empty and a guy who's always feeling like he's never enough. So they need to get on the same page. What type of relationship do you really want? And then are they willing to follow the processes, the strategies, whatever you need to do to get to that relationship outcome? So as you invest bit by bit and they reciprocate, they invest at Mm -hmm. the same level and it's in this direction 
of unity in the same relationship that you guys want. Because some people, they don't even talk about the kind of relationship they want. They just say, a great relationship. And then they assume that they're speaking the same language because they both said, a great relationship. Well, once you know what you want in a relationship and you talk about those specific things, you're going to expose, before it gets too deep, um, any kind of misalignment in the process of having that conversation. It could be possible that the guy goes, you know, I never even thought about a relationship like that. But it actually sounds really, really good. The problem I have is I've never really given a lot of validity to my own emotions. And so I've really not given a lot of validity to other people's emotions either. I always thought emotions were like an inconvenience in life that interfere with quality of life. Because if you have emotions, then you have hurt feelings. And I don't want hurt feelings, so I just try to minimize emotions. Oh, so if he starts to feel the value of what it could be, then he can start to learn the strategies to identify and then articulate his emotions in a way that creates a greater sense of connection between the two. And that's where trust is built. Trust is built in the process of communication. And security is built by the commitment, the devotion that two people have in doing their part to create the ideal relationship. Does that make mm. sense? It, it does. It, it makes a lot of sense. It makes it kind of like in hindsight now, you know, you look back and you think, well, if we would have had these conversations, and this is, I truly believe how I've learned, then maybe we would both be able to show up authentically and be vulnerable with each other. But this does make sense. It's just really confusing and not confusing, but really um, kind of scary how to get there. It's one of those how, things that we don't get trained. We don't get trained. We don't get coached. No one talks about this. And it, the foreignness, you know, is what makes it kind of scary because you're like going, well, I don't even know where to begin or how to do this. But before you even go into the actual tactics of how to do it, I think what you've helped us today explore and kind of, kind of wrap our minds around is that there are like a bigger picture ideas. Do I want to be loved for who I am? Okay, then I can avoid rejection because I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me. Well, that gives me a lot of peace moving forward. Okay, well, how do I be true to my uppercase S self so that I can grow without abandoning who I am. And although it's culturally, almost in almost all cultures, such a noble thing to do to stay true to the relationship and the marriage, but sometimes we're so true to the marriage that we abandon ourselves and by default betray the relationship itself just to keep the marriage intact. And an intact marriage, in my mind, is not a successful one. Lori, we're out of time. That I love that you it. had that question, and I'm so glad you shared Thank it so that so we much. could have this conversation. Because I think you can see that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go, man, how come I didn't know this before? Like, this isn't fair. This is, right. this is, this is frustrating. Right. So I'm glad that you, you, okay. you came, you, you joined, you were vulnerable, and you shared. And uh, if you have another question, always feel free to reach out, okay? Okay, I will. Thank you so much. Super helpful. Thanks, Lori. We'll talk to you again.
Thanks for listening to The Emo Show, where we talk about all things relational. If you want to learn more ways to increase your influence and garner more respect, pretty much have confidence in any situation of conflict, then get my new book, Confidence in Conflict. In that book, you'll learn why people get defensive in the first place and how to hijack the other person's defensiveness so they really can hear what you have to say when you have something to say. You'll learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. You'll learn how to deal with criticisms, blame, allegations, passive-aggressive statements, and a whole bunch more. You can get my book today by going to emilspeaks.com. That's E-M-I-L-S-P-E-A-K-S.com and get my book so you can get confidence in conflict.